This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth Understand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 313. Today I'm joined by my buddy Jacob Emery to talk about his Thanksgiving Day buck and his Tennessee Velvet Stud. So stay tuned. up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you're doing well hope you're feeling fine i almost said happy thursday i got my days uh got my days mixed up you think after like seven years of doing this i would remember what day these podcasts have come out on consistently for seven years but 
sometimes the mind just wanders and you forget what day of the week it is or what day of the week that you're actually putting stuff out. Anyway, I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Hope everyone's feeling fine out there. Gun season in PA here obviously is in, in way full swing. Had the second kind of week of that or second weekend of that. Uh, was planning to go out and hunt the North Peace this past weekend, but the weather just wasn't going to cooperate on Saturday. Got some real kind of piss and rain the kind of i don't mind hunting a little rain but you know what i don't want to do is just basically sit in a sit in a soaker all day and that's kind of what we had uh going on and truth be told i think i overdid it at jujitsu the past week um going to many open mats and getting my ass kicked many times and i think the old body um it hurt to sleep we'll put it that <laughs> we'll put it that way like thursday night i didn't sleep real well because i just i hurt all over and could not get comfortable to fall asleep so i thought maybe it was a good time for me to just take a day and uh and relax so with that we're going to go ahead and just uh have a really short upfront here today and just kind of get to it one thing i do want to make mention of though as you're picking stuff up for christmas whether it's for you know someone or whether you are maybe uh in the in the mood to maybe buy something for yourself. Uh, if you're local, uh, be sure you're checking out my buddies over at Bob and AJ's, um, bunch of cool guys over there. That's where I always get my, my bow tuned, where I get my bow from, um, bunch of good dudes over there. So if you're in the local area and looking just to pick up some archery equipment, just in general, um, that's a great place to go. If you were looking for a local store to support, otherwise, you know, you can support the partners that have been supporting this, this podcast for, for a long time. So the guys from Spartan Forge and Exodus tethered, um, you know, are all places to, to check out and, and uh, help support this show. So anyway, with that, we're going to go ahead and jump to today's show. Have my good buddy, Jacob Emery on Jacob, uh, was on last year. Um, he killed a really great deer with kind of like a hard to access area that we talked about. And, uh, this year he had some really good luck, but it's one of those things where, you know, his season kind of started off with a bang and some of us might kind of experience that, whether we're on a Western hunt or whatever, and you kind of have that first taste of early success Maybe it's a velvet buck or whatever that you have on a bed to food pattern where things are a little bit more predictable, you know, and then you get into the throes of, of, you know, the whitetail season of like October, November, and it just starts to grind and you feel like, man, I may never release another arrow this year. And sometimes you feel like maybe there aren't even a deer in the area that you're hunting. Um, and, and Jacob kind of hit that where, you know, his season just kind of became a grind. He had some great, uh, had a great hunt in Tennessee in the early part of the year, uh, during the velvet season. And, uh, that was a really meaningful hunt. And we talked about that. Um, and then he kind of went into the rest of his season. It just was a grinder. Um, and you know, just doing all the things you, you, you know, you plan to do and work in your plan and, you know, being mobile and adapting your strategies and stuff like that. And, you know, what I kind of like about Jacob is when we talk about this stuff, you know, um, you know, he fully recognizes that man, Part of it is you, like you do your due diligence and you, and you put the work in, but there is an element of luck that is, that is part of this. That if if you don't have it, it, it just doesn't it doesn't matter. You can do any all the stuff right that you want to do, but if that element of luck isn't on your side on a particular day, you know whether it's you may not see a deer or it might just be you see one and you just don't get the shot opportunity or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of things outside of our control when it comes to, um, filling a tag and he always kind of recognizes that. And that's always, um, and that's always refreshing. So in any way, as his scene was, was grinding on, he, you know, I don't want to say he took a Hail Mary, but he went back to the well, so to speak, to a place that he was familiar with, um, a little bit different access this, this year based on, you know, some weather conditions and stuff like that. 
and went out th- Thanksgiving morning. And uh, let's just say he was late to Thanksgiving dinner, and he had a, uh, a really good reason for that. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and jump into today's show. If you want to check out the video, he filmed all this stuff. So his uh, YouTube channel is DO3 uh, uh, outdoors. It stands for dad of three outdoors. So check out his YouTube channel, check out the video. This hunt is on there. Uh, I believe the velvet hunt is on there as well. Uh, and he does a killer job of being authentic and just bringing you the straight, the straight hunt and the straight hunt and dope, so to speak. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. As always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truths from the stand deer hunting podcast. And today I have on a, a two-time offender. Uh, I've got my good buddy on Mr. Jacob Emery. What's going on, brother? Uh, if I'm honest, I'm sitting here in my uh, eight-year-old girl's little room decorated with unicorns because my two-year-old is downstairs acting like a hoodlum, <laughs> and there's nowhere quiet in the house. <laughs> that's awesome. Don't don't lie, man. That's that's your sanctuary. You like you like those unicorns, don't you? It is it is very peaceful in here. Lots of rainbows, <laughs> lots of lots of decoration. Right. It's funny, man. How uh, how like your kids go through those different phases. My my daughter's fourteen now. And so, you know, we went through that phase of like, you know, just everything under the sun, like she could possibly hang up of any variety was like just all over her room. And now she's uh, getting a little older, a little more sophisticated. So now it's become more of a minimalist kind of like approach. She likes real clean lines, you know, spa like feel, you know, what I mean? like, yeah. That's her. That's her vibe now. She's got like the the scentsy candle going, and she's got like the I don't know. There's like some other like thing that dispenses like mist that has like a lavender in it or something like that for like uh, calming a sense of calming or whatever. So she's way more refined than I am, I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably should take some, I should probably take some tips, man. But uh, how was your Thanksgiving brother? All all good with the family? Yeah. uh, It's been kind of hectic because the little girl I'm talking about, she, uh, she lives with her mom most of the time. I get her, Right about 40% of the time, just because of the way school works out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, she's had flu, and, and one of our boys has, has not been feeling well. So we've only had, like, one dinner, but we got another one tonight at 5 o'clock and whatnot. But the one dinner we've already had, I was almost late to. So. Yeah, yeah. But it worked out. It worked yeah. out. It was for a good reason, We're gonna and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that reason. Um, the uh, Dude, I know it's, it's, it's funny because it seems like whatever's kind of floating around, like, we've kind of all caught – uh caught too like it and it happens almost the same time every year it's always i usually get kind of sick like around thanksgiving my daughter without fail will get sick the week of christmas like without fail it happens every it happens every year um and it's like i wish i were kind of joking but i'm not like it actually in i'm just getting over kind of being sick and then i woke up this morning you know i was like all right i'm finally i went to bed last night i was like all right i'm finally getting over whatever this thing is and uh as you can hear, I'm still sniffing and I wake up this morning and I felt like someone beat me with like a bag of bricks while I slept. Like my neck hurt so freaking bad. And I was like, man, you know, you're getting old whenever, like when you get hurt sleeping, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works out, man, but I woke up with like a pinched nerve, what feels like a pinched nerve. And I'm like trying to work it out, trying to decide, like, can I actually go to jujitsu or not? Or is that going to help? Or is it going to make it worse? So man getting old getting old sucks dude it's uh it's, it doesn't does. get any easier you know what i'm saying yep yeah so man how uh how's your season been overall so far man i know you filled a couple tags and we'll get to that but uh how how like if you had to rate your season like to like 
to this point, like I know you had like seasons are always filled with like some good and some bad, right? So like, how has it been kind of overall, just in terms of like up and downs? Um, overall, man, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, I mean, you got to, you know, the results that I've ended up with, it's easily a nine or a 10, you know what I mean? Right. What, what I was just thinking about earlier was like, you know, a, a two different decisions or just a little bit of luck turning. And this is, this is a, a two year, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I was so fortunate with both these animals like but it only took a little bit of difference in like where i sat up or you know going or not going or whatever to, to turn this year around to where i'm still i'm sitting on a big fat goose egg you know so yeah yeah just it's incredible how it, it works out yeah you're right man i mean the, the the difference between filling tags and eating them is sometimes inches and sometimes just to your point, I think one of the biggest things is just like those decisions you make leading up to wherever you're going to set up on, you know, whatever, whatever hunts you happen to have for a day, a week or whatever the, whatever the case is. Hell, I mean, sometimes it's even up to the weather and the days you chose to take off. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I know for me being out in Kansas this year, it's like I had good weather when I first got there for like the first day. And then I had really good weather for like the last day. But what was in between was kind of like, you know, I would say 75% of it was kind of garbage, you know, where it was like 80 degrees, you know, just not great. And the days I had the good, good weather, like, you know, we had some, you know, had some good encounters and things were working out. But the days that I didn't, you know, it was a little bit of a crapshoot, you know. Oh, yeah. So what's uh, what's up for the rest of your season, man? Like, what do you have? You got some more tags you're going to try to fill? Like, you got some other states you're going to try to get to? What's the What's the plan? So I have, um, I have a few more tags that, that are possibilities, but I don't know how much I'm going to pursue them. So I've got my Kentucky state tag, uh, still, you know, ready to rock at, at any point. And I plan on pursuing that one the most I've got, you know, a Fort Knox tag, which is an army base here in Kentucky. Mm. Uh, anybody in the world can go hunt that place, but it is, I mean, I've been all over this country and I've seen some pressured places and that is the most ridiculous pressure like you're you're going to come across like it's it's insane there's Hmm. there's big deer in there but by this time of year man there's certain areas that you just you're legally not allowed to go into and that's where they flock to and Hmm. you're just you're just not gonna you might get lucky i mean who knows but right uh but no i still got the kentucky you know tag and and we've got some bow season we got a lot of bow season left and uh then again we got the last uh there's a 10 10 day season, I think 10 or nine, um, late muzzleloader that I, I really enjoy. And it's actually what I killed my, uh, target buck in Kentucky on last year, uh, was that season. So probably pursue that. And at some point I've got to go back to Tennessee to pick up the deer that I killed from taxidermist. And I thought about making a little two day trip out of that. Um, uh, but that's, that's another one of the places where, man, they've been pressured and done it so long that if you kill another, you know, good one, it, it's going to be just, pure luck right what's uh how long is their gun season down there so it depends on where you're at so where i killed my deer was the chronic wasting disease unit and they open that thing from like the end of october until like the end of their season which Hmm. is like in january or something it's insane oh wow (laughs) gun season is that long like for gun oh yeah oh wow Uh, that chronic wasting disease zone like it's got some good deer in it but in my opinion in five six years from now 
it won't be worth hunting because, I mean, I'm sure the residents are, are pissed because, you know, they, they found this disease down there and it is taking a toll on the deer. I've noticed over the last like three or four years of going down there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's getting bad to the point where everybody's just shooting anything to eradicate the disease uh, and the deer just are not there anymore. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, you know, I always people in PA complain about the pressure that we have here and, and stuff like that. And you'll certainly hear people, you know, complain about there's not enough deer or whatever the case is. But um, I don't think that that's really the case around uh, around here. We have a I think all things considered probably a relatively short gun season. You know, it's it's in right now as we're as we're talking and it's uh, it's like two weeks long, you know, and we can't hunt Sundays. But in gun season, they give you one Sunday. So out of the 14 days, you can hunt you know, 13 of the season, I think is what it kind of amounts to. Um, I mean, we do have some like muzzle loader season, you know, then in uh, October, that I think's just for antlerless, if I'm not mistaken. And then we have, uh, at least in my area, because I live in a special regulations unit since I live closer to like an urban area or, you know, a more heavily populated area. Their gun season does kind of extend uh, for certain uh, WMUs um, till like, end of january that but it's antlerless only um, okay. and i can hunt archery up until at least in my area up until like uh i want to say i don't remember the exact date but it's like one of the like the last weekend or next to the last weekend in in january essentially okay. um, but for most of the state it cuts off like that late season cuts off like around january 15th to the 19th it just depends on how like the dates fall like on the weekends and stuff like that but um how would I, I'm always curious, man, do you, uh, how do you look forward to late season or is late season one of those things for you where you're like, if you have a tag in your pocket still, you know, like say like your Kentucky tag or say you didn't fill any tags this year, right? For example, and you're staring late season in the face. Are you kind of like, oh man, here it comes the grind, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or is late season? Cause it's, it cuts both ways. Like I, I have buddies that just like absolutely love late season, you know, like that, that would be Great if they. Jake Bush is Jake. like, yeah, dude. Late season, it's, it's Jake Bush because I know if you ain't killed one, he's fixing to. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> it's it's like him and Johnny Stewart are the two that I know. Because I mean, I just had Jake on not too long ago, and we were talking about that. And he's like, man, he's like, if you get to late season, dude, he's like, and you can and you can find one. He's like, and you can watch him for like a day or two. You know what I mean? Or even just get trail camera data on him for a couple, you know, a couple days. He's like, man, that pattern is almost like ironclad. He's like, and then it just becomes about figuring out what's his, the chink in his armor. You know, he's like, and that's, he's like, that should be a dead deer. And I'm the opposite. I look at late season. I'm like, good God, what, a, what, <laughs> like, here's just going to be like a month and a half of going out hunting and not seeing deer probably, you know what I mean? Like I'm the exact opposite. So where do you, where do you fall with that? Man, I'm getting to a bit more than I used to. Um, but I'm, I, you know, the fact of the matter is, once you hit December around here, anyways, the best days are behind you, and that's the that's the bottom line because a lot of deer are killed, uh, a lot of them are pressured. Um, but it, it it's kind of weird if you can find an area where the deer have not been messed with. It's I mean they're just they're just as golden and as patternable as they are in September. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but finding that is is extremely hard. And you know my deer that I killed last year, I consider that a late season buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was, you know, December 14th or 13th when I killed him, I can't remember. Uh, he was, it was pure luck, you know, finding him doing what he was doing, but he was on a pattern. He was coming from food back to bed and I just happened to intercept him perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
just using data that I had, like crossing off the X's and whatnot. But I don't particularly like late season as much because they're not on that, you know, rutting pattern and and the food is a little bit tougher to find in the areas that I hunt. Um, the cover is extremely hard. You know, it's, it's hard to sneak in on them in the morning and the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I it's probably number three. On I like I like hunting early season the most, and then the rut is you know obviously second, and then late season is is my least desired. But if I ain't filled a tag, I mean I'm gonna be out there till you know the, the bell rings. Yeah, yeah, no same. It's, uh... It's funny. I'm actually kind of looking forward to late season. And to your point, I I consider late season anything that's basically after after like the the tail end of rut. So basically anything after Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I, I kind of consider that late season because yeah, you'll still get like the occasional doe that's gonna you know maybe come in late or whatever that you find a you know a buck that might be still kind of searching. You always have that last peak you know, breeding date that's falls somewhere in the middle of December. If you have, you know, doe fawns that hit the biometrics that they need to hit in order to come in for the first estrus or whatever. But, you know, if you're banking on that, man, you're, you're really kind of, you know, pissing into the wind yeah. to a degree, you know? Um, Absolutely. So, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to late season this year because there's a, there's a place that I've been hunting that I'm, haven't spent a whole lot of time because it's a little bit of ways from me, you know, kind of far away from me to a, you know, to a degree, a couple hours. And so I've got the chance to scout it and hunt it a couple different times, you know, the past two years. And there's some really good deer there. And it's like, I'm slowly, but surely start like learning, like how they're using this place. And actually after Jake and I got done podcasting there a couple of weeks ago, we spent some time just chatting after the fact, after we stopped recording and just kind of talking about it. Cause he's, he's really good at late season. So, you know, and it's actually, up toward where he grew up, up near like that, uh, like New York big woods kind of area. And so we were just kind of talking and I was getting some pointers from him on like the things that he looks for, especially in that particular like region, you know? Um, so I'm actually excited to go out and actually I'm going to spend some time during gun season, bow hunting that. And then late season, you know, bow hunting it as well. Um, just to see if I can maybe put some more puzzle pieces together. Cause I don't think what they're doing in late season is too awful different from what they're doing in early season is what is what my is what my thinking kind of is so but you said you like early season first man uh why the uh why er, why early season over over rut well it really amplified this year because i've had about three deer over the 145 150 mark within 25 yards of me during the rut and i can't get them to stop (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the gopro clips are hilarious like i'm like matt matt hey stop you know like and I just can't get them to stop, man. They, they're chasing them does, and, and there ain't nothing you can do about it most of the time. Yeah. Uh, got a gun, you fire a shot off, maybe they'll stop then. Uh, but, right. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I, I'm i just so attached to that early season, like, pattern and, you know, the velvet. It's, I don't know. It's just my thing. I enjoy it, and I'm, I'm not real good at it because um, I've only killed, you know, three velvet deer, and, you know, two of them were just complete buck, but. I don't know. I just, I like that early season pattern where they're betting super close to, you know, the, the food sources and they're getting up on their feet in daylight. And when you go through that lull, that's like mid September till, you know, mid October, it seems like. And then mm-hmm. the deer are moving a lot better after that. I don't know. It's just a personal preference, I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't like, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of like early, early, early season. Like super early, my season opens probably not quite as early as some of yours does, but 
mid-September is when my well, that's the I'm in Kentucky, you know. So my my season's coming in the first weekend in September. Right. So a lot of guys here early season, and they're like, they're thinking like mid to late September. And they're like, I don't want to bunt that. And I was like, well, I wouldn't either. Right. But I live, you know, here in Kentucky and Tennessee. You know, I get an early jump, and it, it normally just works out. Right. And right. So. Yeah, but I do like what you know what the Midwest or people who come in around October call early season that like mid October, like I do, that is probably my favorite time to hunt is like that October 15th through like the 20th roughly is, yeah. yeah Cause it's a lot of times like when pe- people don't want to be out, like they think it's kind of garbage hunting cause deer aren't moving like they would during pre rut or rut yet. And so you have, your setups have to be a little bit more fine tuned, but if you're in the right spot, man, it's like, you can see killer action. Like I've had great action, like during that, you know, three, four day window in October the past several years. Um, it's just become one of my favorite times. Especially if you get a, a good push of cold air mm-hmm. and it, it's on. I mean, it, it might as well be November, you know, 10th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I've seen. Cause like I've had the right weather, like the past two years, you know, just it's worked out like that. I've had, a, I wouldn't say I've had a cold front, but like this year I had what would be probably just, slightly below seasonal average, you know what I mean? For that time, that time of year. So it wasn't, you know, an October day where you're getting blistering hot temperatures. And then the year before I actually had like a nice, again, probably about the average for the, for the, uh, time of year, but I had like super overcast both days. And then last year I had like just like a slight misty rain and it was just awesome. Like (laughs) couldn't ask for better, better weather and just like better action those days. But uh, man, headed into this season, dude, what was your? Because uh, you had you had an awesome season, like you, we're, we've been alluding to the two tags filled. But going into the season, what was kind of your your plan or your expectation for the season? Well, my expectations coming off of last year was it was going to be just terrible because <laughs> you can't you can't, can't get that lucky two years in a row. Right. Um, I don't know. The, the expectations this year was just hopefully killing one solid deer and. And just being happy and uh, getting some good content for the the channel on YouTube and uh, I don't know, man. Just like I said earlier, I'm only like two setups or two decisions away from a big fat goose egg so far. But I've been fortunate enough to kill, you know, two pretty solid deer. Right. So I want to I want to start with your your Tennessee hunt because that that happened first, the Tennessee velvet hunt. So whenever you were headed down there, did you do any pre-scouting before you got there? Is this a spot that you've been familiar with or anything like that? Or were you kind of going in blind to a degree? So it's a, it's a mix. I've been going down to hunt that Tennessee velvet hunt ever since they opened it up on select public lands. And it, you've got to really fine tune your like e-scouting because you mean, you got to read their regs. You've got to fight Tennessee. They, they're the most unprepared resource agency out there. Like they're so they're so keen on getting those deer killed in that chronic wasting disease zone, but they're so they're lazy when it comes to updating the website and whatnot. And I mean, I'm calling like local officers getting answers because I am not fixing to get in trouble if I can help it. Right. Um, but it, it's a place that I've hunted, you know, the last three years. Like I said, it's changed drastically from the first year. Uh, I don't know if you keep up with the other podcasts but uh, the southern outdoorsman uh me and jacob myers went down there years ago i killed a velvet buck down there uh in 19 i did not go in 2020 because mm-hmm. my son was born 
2021, I shot a solid deer. I don't know where I hit him, man. I hit him with a 300, and um, I did not find that deer, even with a dog. Oh, wow. And so I'm, I'm hoping he lived, but he bled so much. It's just weird. But hmm. And then um, this year, I mean, going down there with my good buddies, I, I used to be a part of the Hunting Grounds mm -hmm. uh, TV, um, and they're great. They're a great, well-rounded show. And if anybody you know hasn't heard of them, check them out. Um, they do a good mix of like land management and the public side, so they're a perfect show. Uh, but I've been good friends with those. A couple of those guys were at my wedding, and we all go down there every year together now. So it's like it, it's a camaraderie thing. So like, it, to me, it's not about killing like a deer. It's about meeting up with my friends and, and having deer camp, which is that's the point of the entire hunt for me. No, oh, nice. Uh, but between those guys and a couple, uh, another guy uh, from Revive Outdoors, Taylor Philpot, you know, there was I think nine of us total in a group down there communicating. Oh, that's awesome. And I was, I was one of two people that killed a buck, you know? And I think if we add up all the deer, all the bucks combined that we saw in that three-day hunt or four days worth of scouting and hunting, we saw three bucks. And, huh. you know it's they're they're not there that's the thing but you've got an opportunity you know hunting with a rifle early season over soybeans everybody in the world thinks oh it's going to be a cakewalk well, well yeah sure it would be if you weren't in a zone that's you know plagued with disease and and a three-month-long gun season and whatnot if that if they had that in kentucky <laughs> there'd, there'd be like 15 200 inch deer killed you know <laughs> uh, but right. uh it i don't know um it was just a really cool hunt, and and I owe that deer 100% to that guy that I mentioned, Taylor Philpot. He actually spotted uh, a couple bucks that morning crossing the road and, and come back to camp, and we all demised a plan. And um, we kind of picked where we wanted to sit, and I just happened to pick the perfect spot to be. Um, the buck was actually on a private field, and Taylor had spotted him and knew that nobody was going to get a shot on this deer, and we kind of – we like strategically placed ourselves to when one we're going to be safe when we shoot mm -hmm. and like an escape route for any of these deer if they wind us you know mm -hmm. they're going to try to you know get out of dodge without being seen well, the deer was in a private field not a very big private field at all taylor had actually walked to the edge and, and made it known that something was over there and the deer snuck across 250 yards with the beans to me and i never seen him come through the beans and i don't know if anybody's seen the deer or not but it's the biggest deer I've ever killed by a long shot. And how he snuck through them beans, it just is a testament to how sneaky they are. Dude, they are so yeah. sneaky, especially in open country, man. Like, I've, like it, blows, oh, it blows my mind. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you think, oh, I'm going to see this big, you know, 260, 275-pound deer walking across, the, you know, these beans. And had he been standing, like, straight up, it, I mean, good God. I mean, you'd have definitely noticed. But, like, I didn't see the beans moving or nothing. And, he uh he hit this dirt patch that's in between me and the woods and i'm assuming it's because they were planting it for ducks or or something like that they're gonna flood it mm -hmm. um and he took off on a dead sprint i'm a left-handed shooter uh and i had to jump on that gun right-handed and i was yelling at him before i even i didn't know how big the deer was i just jumped on the gun and swung it and by a miracle chance dude um them crosshairs were dead nuts on like center of his shoulder and i squeezed it off and watched him run off and i thought I just missed a freaking nice deer on <laughs> the only deer that I've seen on this entire hunt at a hundred yards with a 308. Like <laughs> I suck. <laughs> and, and, 
<laughs> like, like I met up with Taylor out in the field, and he was like, "Dude, you killed that deer." I'm like, "No, I, I think I missed him. I can't find any blood." And he's like, "No, dude, like I watched him crash." And I'm like, "Well, I was watching him in the scope, and I never seen him crash." And he goes, "Well, I'm telling you, that deer is dead out there." And lo and behold, we're talking again. I look down between my legs. There's a big old splotch of lung, and I'm like, "All right, ten yeah. four. <laughs> and at this point, like Taylor knew how big the deer was, but I didn't know how big the deer was. Right. And everybody meets up, which that was one of the coolest experiences of my life because you always dream of like having somebody there, like with killer photography skills, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Mace Renfrey was there with the hunting grounds and he's got like this cinematic camera and whatnot. And all your friends are there. And, you know, my granddad passed away on August 7th and that was, you know, he was my person. Like he yeah. raised me from the ground up. So it was super hard on me and my family and, everything just coming together for that moment and, and getting out there and picking that deer's head up out of them beans. It was just like, Oh my God. Like, I cannot believe this just happened. Right. Um, but it was a super cool experience, man. The, the whole hunt in general, just being there with everybody. That's what made, if it was a 130 inch deer, I'd still be just as tickled just because of the moment. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It sounds like it, it's hunts like that to come together like that. It, it's almost like they, they were meant to be before they even, started you know I what I, that. <laughs> you know what i mean like there's there's sometimes you go into a hunt and you know it's just the stars are, are aligned before you even get there it's almost like it was destined to happen and you, like there's something kind of manipulate manipulating you or the person you know to to a specific setup at a specific time because how many times even just just think about how many times you're sitting in the woods and, you know, we all do this, you know, you're on a long hunt, maybe you're on a trip or something like that. And you're out for six, seven days and you're on the seventh day and it's the morning and you're on your phone, you know, <laughs> because you're fried, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then something oh, for yeah. whatever reason, you just says, Hey, you should look over to your left. And you look to your left and you're like, well, I'll be damned. You know what I mean? Like how many times does that happen? You know, and I just, oh, what's that? Oh, I mean, it's so funny you say that because I was on my phone. And I just happened to glance up at last. Like I actually sent a group message to everybody on Facebook. It was like, there are literally no deer. There are no deer here. And I'm sick of it. And I looked up and I seen like a flicker of something and it was his tail. And it was like that, you know, like, okay. You know, when they flick their tail, they're like, okay, everything's good. Like, yep. And he was, he was going from the beans to the woods as quick as he could. Cause he's in the wide open. If he had not flicked his tail, the thing might have ran right across the field, and I never even knew he existed. You know, right, so. right. Man, that's crazy. I, like, I love the fact that the way you guys kind of set this up is just kind of like a travel hunting camp for y'all, you and your buddies, like every year. Like, that's just that's super cool to be able to have a group of guys that you can do that with every year. And and the fact that you know you all work together like that to just to kind of put you know put one of you on a deer or two of you on a deer that it's just kind of a group effort. Um. Is super cool because I don't know that everyone has has that necessarily. I have that with a couple guys that I hunt up uh, this northern big woods piece where we don't often get to hunt together because our schedules just don't line up. But we try to scout together every off season. We share yeah. all we share and check all of our trail cameras together. That way, if someone gets time to get up there, we all pull the cards of whatever cameras we're going to be by. We share all the images with each other. We talk and text all the time about like what strategies might work, and if someone's up there hunting this weekend or this week and two of us can't get up there and then we will all talk and be like, Hey man, I think I would, I would go here. And we just try to put each other in the best position to try to have success, regardless of whether or not we're, we're ever going to see a deer or kill a deer from there this year. 
whoever is there doing it, we want that person to have the best chance. So that's super cool. You got a crew of guys to do, to do that with. Um, I'm telling you, man, that there's not very many people that would have done what Taylor did. Uh, mm-hmm. Two different instances, you know, a good deer on public with all your buddies. And, you know, it's almost the last day and, you know, not many guys are going to say, Hey, you know, I found these deer, let's go kill them. And then, after all that, we're all set up. He knew we weren't going to possibly get a shot at the deer because the thing was speeding in the private field. And I mean, he was like super scared. He just, you know, made it known that there was something over there and the deer left the private field. Mm-hmm. And he, he knew he wasn't going to kill that buck at that point, but he knew one of us had a chance at seeing it. Right. You know, it's just super, I don't know. I don't know the word for it. He's just a, a great guy. Selfless, man. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, absolutely. He's putting his, putting his buddies before um before him you know which is I mean, you know i wish i got a couple buddies like that and i i wish everybody had hunt uh, a hunting buddy or two like that you know um you know because I, I i you know i'm pretty sure you'd probably do the same thing <laughs> you know what i mean and when you find oh, yeah, i mean i look back and think about it it's like man i can be selfish i mean i really can and if you can't point out your own flaws mm-hmm. then there's no room to grow so i know that i can be selfish at times but like Things like that that happen in your life change you. And now looking back at it, where I was thinking, man, that'd be really hard to do. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, everybody wants to kill a big deer, but now that that's happened to me, it's like there's no doubt in my mind that if it ever happened again, I'm gonna pass that torch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> I don't know, man. Not to be all hooey fooey, but you know, karma. <laughs> there's something to karma. You know what I mean? Like you, uh, it's the <laughs> oh, old. I'm a firm believer in that this year. Let yeah. me tell you, it's. The, the, <laughs> There's something to, I mean, I think just the simple, you know, you, uh, you reap what you sow, you know, and, uh, if you sow, you know, ill will, then you're probably going to reap it at some point, you know? And, uh, it, I, I haven't put someone on a deer like that. I, I, I've done, you know, what we, uh, what we were just talking about, just kind of sharing info, even to the point I ran into a guy at a parking lot in that one piece that I've been, you know, working on, um, that big woods piece, super good dude. Um, you know, and, uh, he's a younger guy, you know, and he's trying to figure this place out and he's basically doing it by himself. And, and, uh, he was like, Hey, do you hunt back in here? And I said, I was like, well, I haven't hunted back in there. I was like, I've got some cameras back in there, you know? And, uh, I was like, I haven't even checked them yet. It's like, it was kind of a new area that I just threw some cameras in for this year. And, uh, we got to talking a little bit and, uh, and I just said, Hey, I was like, if you see this brand of cameras back there, I was like, those are mine. I was like, feel free to check them. You know what I mean? I was like, take a look at him. Just don't take the card. I was like, don't, don't delete anything. Just like take the card out or even just use the camera and look at the, look at the card to see what deer are in there. I was like, and if you kill a big one, just let me know. You know, I was like, and if there's a big one in there, just let me know. So I know what, you know, what caliber of deer are kind of using that area. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, dude. I was like, just, it's public land, man. I was like, I got those cameras out, not planning to use it this year. If you can use it, I was like, use it. He was kind of, he was kind of blown away. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, man. I was like, you know, why would I not want you to kill a good deer? You know, they're not, I I can't kill all of them. You know what I mean? It's like, so, you know, go, go do it. And then if you kill a big one, then I know there's good ones in there. Then we can, you know, we can devise a plan together. Thank you. So that's it, man. That, and I also, that's my strategy for not getting my shit stolen. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah, Right. You know, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I'm like, I got cameras back in there. Like if I just tell him to go ahead and use them, there's a less likely chance that, he's going to take them and, and more likely that, you know, he'll, he'll make sure if something does happen, he'd probably tell me, you know what I mean? So yeah, just trying to be a good, 
you know, a good hunting partner to those who are, who are around. But, uh, man, what, a aside from your buddy putting you on that deer, what was the key to like how you set up differently? Cause I watched the video and I, I know you were kind of going through a process and, you know, trying to figure out where the, the best setup was. And what was it about this setup that was like the right spot? Uh, man, I don't know 110% what drew me to it, but something told me that them deer, you know, actually, if you look at aerial maps, it looked like the, the beans like met up to CRP. Mm-hmm. So I thought them deer were, they're probably bedded right on that line and I would be elevated enough to, you know, be able to see them maybe even before they stood up and did their thing. To me. Mm-hmm. But once I got back here, I quickly realized like that was not the case. And actually I, I kind of hid, I can't really say without giving it away. I know people probably know where deer was killed and more props to you. If you do, like there's probably not another deer like that down there. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm so lucky to kill that deer. But, uh, there was a brush pile that I seen. I basically crawled up in the middle of it because it was the only place to hide. And that's, you know, why I picked that exact spot to hunt. But, looking at it from maps, you know, nobody really knew where the deer went to bed. Like Taylor lost track of them watching them that morning because you see him cross the road and, and he followed up and tried to get a shot on him and, and it didn't work out. Um, but, you know, instantly I was like, you know, this is kind of where I would want to sit, you know, if somebody else had already picked that spot, you know, whatever. And then you had um, Parker McDonald at Southern Ground Hunting was down there as well. And mm-hmm. him and Taylor are good buddies. And he decided to come in from, uh, looking at it, I think it'd be the east through a bunch of swamps. You know, me and uh, Parker both love water access. And he kind of had the thought like deer were over close to water bedding because it's super hot. It's a miserable hunt. Right. So he was kind of in the corner. And of course, Taylor, you know, he found him. He picked first and he picked the corner of all three fields. And, and everybody else just kind of like picked escape routes. Right. Uh, so um, it was really just luck that I got to pick where I wanted to sit second. You know what I mean? Right, right. Man, I'm looking at a picture of this deer now, man. This thing is a hammer, dude. What did he? Did you end up ta- uh, putting a tape on him just out of curiosity? So, so the funny thing is that that night we all got back to the cabin and, and I put the deer you know, on a trash bag on the on the table in there. And me and Jeremy Freeman was measuring him, and I I knew he was going to be my best deer like then. So I was I wasn't like you know trying to cut corners or add inches anywhere. Like I really want to know what the thing scored and and uh, we had a tape measure, like a, a metal tape measure and a piece of string and. And I did the whole deer and I got to like 152 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. I was like, no freaking way. And, and Jeremy goes, well, you forgot to take his inside spread. And I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the deer ended up scoring like right at 167. Wow, man. Um, yeah, he's a but, giant. 167 velvet too. I mean, most guys would just be like, man, if I just shot a good buck in velvet, they'd be stoked. You know what I mean? But that's like a freaking giant in velvet. Oh, no. And I know the velvet adds quite a bit, but the mass on that deer is just unreal. And he's just got it all. His tines, like they, they don't just go like straight up and stop. Like they are curling in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's a, he's a really unique deer. He's a beautiful deer. He had a perfect cape and man, I'm so excited to get him back. Nice. When do you, uh, so you get him back soon, right? Is that what uh, what you were saying? Yeah. There's a guy down there taking care of him. And I, I think it's, he doesn't take very many deer a year. Um, I just need to plan a trip to go down there. I think he's already, he's, he ain't got it done, but you know, once you start on a deer, once it's the tan or the pot is tan and, and everything's ready to go, 
you can put the things together in a, you know like a week or, right. or way less actually but if you just work on that one deer which i think is what he's doing so right. i need to make a trip down there pretty soon nice man that's awesome dude that's always a good day taxidermy day <laughs> yeah <laughs> right i know so let's fast forward now man to uh to thanksgiving dude because uh you know from what it sounded like like i watched the i watched the video of that of that hunt and but from what it sounded like it sounded like the season after like so you had this extreme high in tennessee and then it sounded like yeah. reality kind of set back in of like the grind <laughs> that is the hunt that, oh, yeah. is, that is the hunting season and it sounded like you were just oh what you were talking about before which is you know like a season is just a, a bunch of different decisions that you make that you're either deciding correctly or you're a day late and a dollar short and it sounded like to that point it was a lot of day late and dollar short right absolutely yeah it was it was a lot of ups and downs man um work uh family you know i, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to get out this year uh you know after opening day here in kentucky i had a big seven point i was chasing and it just didn't pan out and i only asked the guy like hey i just want to hunt the first two weeks of season and, and I, I kept my word and and uh kind of left that deer alone and had to find another one and i really didn't find any good deer on the typical places that i hunt till you know the first of, of november normally it's like mid-october i've got three or four deer that i'm going to chase but everything's been so slow man um the best days on the wma that i hunt in kentucky come and went like i said i had super nice bucks within bow range multiple times and i just couldn't get them to stop hmm. um, so that kind of petered off and, and then it got to where you know i was just throwing a dart at the map and like well today i'm going to try indiana and today i'm going to try kentucky or whatever and Mm-hmm. Uh, it got real cold uh for a few days like like really really cold here and normally i would kayak into this spot in indiana but mm-hmm. i said i woke up that morning and still didn't know where i was going jumped to my truck grabbed mcdonald's i'm like screw it i'm going to indiana i didn't take my kayak uh just because the creek had a little bit of ice on it and i don't know if anybody out there has ever taken a boat or a kayak through a little bit of ice but it makes a lot of noise yeah especially when there's no wind so uh instead of a you know, 800 and whatever yard paddle and then getting out and walking a little bit, it turned into about a two mile round trip walk to get in there. Um, luckily the water's down, so you can't access it by foot this year, but it's a spot that has been really, really good to me in the past. It's where I killed my Indiana buck last year. Um, but I put a camera back there. It's a non-cell camera and I had this buck. It's the one that I killed coming in about every two days, hitting the scrape. Very rarely was in daylight, and he's got, he had like, I could only see like one kicker off his G2, so that's how I noticed him every single time. Right. That morning, you know, or that night before, I told my wife, I was like, listen, I'd love to hunt in the morning if you'll let me. You know, I know we got family stuff going on later that day. Like, I'm only going to hunt till 930. I'll get down and head out. And it was super cool with it, and I went and got in the tree, had a couple deer walk by in the dark behind me across the creek. Had a spike come in, take a drink of water, and at 9:20 I was starting to get antsy. Like, all right, it's time to, it's time to pack up. This has been a really crappy morning. Right. The tail end, you know, the tail end of the rut is here and gone. I am doomed. It's not going to happen this year. I was actually reaching in my backpack for my rappel rope, and I heard, you know, the undeniable, like that's a deer. Like, yep. there's no doubt. It's nothing else. It's a deer. I got turned my GoPro on and got to look in. Saw it was a deer. It crossed the ditch and. 
I was like, I don't know how, you know, is it a buck or whatnot? And I seen a little bit of a time. I'm like, okay, it's a buck, but is it a buck that I'm willing to be late to Thanksgiving dinner for her? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, and, that's and the big he, question there is that yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he turned his head and I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. I grabbed my bow. I was like, it's a good one. Like, and <clears throat> I turned my phone a certain way, like as I film with my phone and I'm like, I'll get the shot on camera if he walks here, but I won't get no footage of him walking in. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And the steer was making me super nervous because he was walking directly to me. And I'm like, isn't that the worst man when they're headed, yeah. like when they're head on to you? Because one, it's like, I mean, I got a lot of buddies who are willing to take that head on shot and they've had success with it. It makes, it personally makes me a little nervous. Um, yeah. but, but it also, you get no idea where they're going to go. Like you have like, you know what I mean? Like that is just like the absolute worst. Cause you don't know. You don't know what your markers are in terms of, of where can I draw? You know, it's like, cause if he's going left to right or right to left, or at least diagonal to a degree, you're like, all right, he's going to hit this brush pile or he's going to hit this big tree. And when he hits that, that's my opportunity to draw. You know, it's like when they're head, when they're head on to you, you're like, I don't even know what direction he's going to go at this point. So I've got no clue when, when I'm actually going to be able to draw my bow without getting busted. Oh yeah. That's uh. That, that was the tough part, man, was he's in that zone to where, like, I could shoot to the right side of my tree out of my saddle to, like, say, 2 o'clock, okay? Yeah. But, like, from 2, you know, to 5, it's it's hard. It's hard to make that shot. Mm-hmm. Like, you either got to stand up and turn, like, around and, and shoot him that way, or you've got to, like, really push yourself to the side of your platform. And you you move a lot when you do that. Yep. And there's no – there's you can't hide yep. right now. Like, I would – I was 36 feet to my platform that morning hmm. for a reason. Like I, I was high in that tree because there's nowhere to hide and the tree branched everywhere. It was a good hide, but it doesn't take nothing for them deer to look up and see you. Yeah. And he was making me really nervous. And I drew on that deer like super slow. Like I was super thankful. I was shooting like 62 pounds right now. Right. So I was like, just draw straight back and, and uh, I knew at that point, like, I'm going to get a shot. I don't know if I'm going to get it on camera, but anybody knows me. Like, I don't give a crap. Like, right. Whatever. You know, YouTube's nothing to me. Right. Uh, but I shot him walking at 10 yards. And I'd never shot a deer walking with a bow that I can remember. Nothing like he, he was walking like a decent pace. But he was walking with that intent. Like, he was coming into a scrape. And he was super alert. Like, he, he stopped and looked up and looked around and whatnot. Like, any little noise you make is going to throw that deer off. And mm-hmm. I shot that deer walking and I hit him perfect. I'm very proud. Like, dude, that was a hell of a shot. It was a hell of a shot. Dude. Super, super proud of myself for that, that shot. And I've made some bad shots with a bow before in my life and not recovered deer. And it haunts me to this day. That deer had no idea what happened to him. I shot him with a sever of 1.5. And here's the thing about taking shots at that high of an angle and hitting deer high which is good because you're, you've got the perfect angle down on them. Right. But if you don't get that exit hole, you're not, you know, they're not going to bleed very much. Yep. But it doesn't matter because the deer ran a half moon and died 60 yards from my tree. Like right. instantly. Like I count back the time from the time I hit him to the time he crashes. It's like nine seconds. Right. So deer died super quick. You know, it was, a, it was a great shot. I'm very thankful that I was able to pull that off, but, um, I never found my arrow for whatever reason. I don't know how I couldn't find the arrow, but there was a little bit of blood in between, you know, me and him. And, but you know, you don't need a good blood trail when you watch him fall over and die. Right. Right. Man, I want to so, go back to like shooting them walking versus stopping them. Cause I've not thought about it much until my buddy, uh, Chad was actually writing an article 
and he asked me for like my thoughts on whether I would stop a deer, whether I like to stop a deer or whether I like to shoot them walking. And I've never really thought about it much. It's more of just like, however it kind of plays out. You know what I mean? Like I've shot them walking before and I've shot them, you know, stopping. I probably stop them more often than not. And it's usually because I'm trying to get them in a window somewhere, but like because of however thick it is or whatever. Yep. But it actually made me stop and think about, you know, when I make that, when I make that choice, because that deer I shot Thanksgiving morning as well, shot a doe and filled some free, put some freezer or meat in the freezer and I didn't stop her, you know? And so I'm just curious, like what your kind of take on it is like, do you, typically prefer to shoot them walking or prefer to prefer to stop them like i'll give you what my two senses is after after your after you kind of give your thoughts well the goal is for them to just stop on their own mm-hmm. you know that's that's everybody's ideal situation uh, but sometimes you know like the deer i talked about earlier i couldn't get a shot on like i'm trying to stop the, i'm not going to shoot a deer that's walking super fast or, right. or jogging yeah. or whatever i mean that's just silly yeah um but if a deer's walking at his pace or slower, I mean, if you put that pin on, like, everybody calls it the shoulder. It's not the shoulder, okay? Like, there's a little bit of cartilage or blade, whatever, right there. But any sharp broadhead, expandable or fixed, is going to make it through that, you know, mm-hmm. with a, a decently pounded bow. Um, if you put that, like, I think they call it vital V. If you put that pin on that vital V and you're following that deer, and even if, you know, your arrow is not super fast, you squeeze it off your arrow, you know, if it hits anywhere from that to, you know, seven or eight inches back from there, I mean, you're still in both lungs. Period. Right. So it's just however confident you are. Um, and I knew at that point, like that was my last window of opportunity. One to get it on camera. It was my last chance to not have to raise the low my bow and, and turn and shoot them on the other side of the tree. And as alert as he was, I didn't want to, make a noise because I can't tell you how many times I've watched, you know, videos in the past and somebody just, you know, map or they whistle or, and the deer freaks, like yeah. he freaks out. Like I'm not taking that chance. Not right now. Yeah. Not, not at 10 yards. You know, he was close enough to where I, I felt confident. Like I'm going to, I'm gonna still going to grill him. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Like you and I have the same kind of philosophy. It's like, it's got to be uh, an unalert kind of chill deer, right. That's kind of walking at their pace. It's gotta be within like a close range that I'm, that I'm comfortable. It's like, I'm not taking like a 35 yard shot while they're walking. Like I'm just, that's not me. I'm not confident enough to, to take that shot. That just seems a little bit, um, there's too much, you know, room between us for, you know, my arrow to float too far back or w- whatever the case is, just at least for, for my preference. Like what I've kind of noticed, at least for me is the deer that I shoot that are unassuming. I have the shortest track jobs. Because I've yep. watched them before in the past, like there's, they don't know what has, they don't know what's happened. You know what I mean? Like there was uh, the buck I shot in Iowa was walking as he was walking through. I shot him at 16 yards, didn't stop him. Cause he was just walking kind of slow. You know what I mean? Walking down this trail. He just got done checking a scrape and was kind of like coming back the, the side of this ridge. And I shot him walking and he mule kicked, hopped like 10 yards and then stopped and looked around. Wasn't sure what happened. Then, then continued to walk and died. 40 yards away, you know, you know, and so, and similarly with this, with this, you know, doe that I shot this past weekend, you know, uh, shot her, you know, she was just kind of, you know, feeding through this kind of area, you know, with her head down, she happened to turn her head like away from me is how I was able to draw because I didn't have any cover between us. And then she kind of kept walking to like the next clearing that I had like to, to be able to take the shot. 
and I shot her walk, and, and again, she kind of mule kicked and ran, and she just ran, you know, I don't even know how far, I didn't even track, I didn't even, I mean, I heard her crash, and I watched her fall over through, like, the brush, you know what I mean, and it's like, she had no clue what had happened, actually, the other deer that was with her, like, just stood there, like, ran around in circles and just stood there, like, that deer spooked her, or that deer got spooked by the deer that I shot, not the fact that I shot, you right. know you know what I mean? Because I made no noise prior to prior to releasing an arrow. So I don't know. I think if you can shoot an unassuming deer, it's always kind of like the the preferred way to do it. Because I just feel like you get a you get a quicker blood trail, or you get a you, you get a quicker recovery, in my opinion. At least that's been my experience. And I don't I don't follow, and I'm not real big into the the heavy arrow crap. So I don't I don't really pay attention to what Ranchberry says, but a lot of people do, and he he says that saying like dead deer don't run. You know, mm-hmm. the deer. I mean. That's a fact, man. Um, if you don't alert them, you don't make any sound. Nothing's natural. Like they don't have a clue what happened. For all they know, they got poked by a stick. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't have a clue what happened to them. Uh, yeah. And if you, you just, yeah, it's that's that's the way to go if you can do it. If you can let them stop on their own, or you know, shoot them a little walking, just just slowly. It, it's it's really ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm curious, like, so I know you had some pictures of, of this deer, but when, like, so shot him Thanksgiving morning, when were you, or how frequently and when were you getting pictures of him? Like, when did you, when did you notice him, I guess, is, I guess is what I'm asking. So I went in that very first hunt. I don't know if you watched the other video, but I went in on either November 1st or 2nd, mm-hmm. bought my neck. And I kayaked in, I took two cameras with me. I put one where like people, if they were going to walk in, like they were going to walk past my camera. It was basically just monitoring pressure. And I still had never got a person on that camera. Then the other one I put over a historical scrape. Right. And I picked him up within days and whatnot. And I noticed like he was, a, he was a two to three day or like he would hit it. It was almost at night, almost every time. Um, and then I hunted, Let's see, November, I think 18th. I went in to hunt it. I took off a couple hours off of work and went in there and hunted that morning. I pulled the card. I'm like, holy crap. Like he was in daylight following a doe on the 16th. And it seemed like every time, like or from the 2nd to the 16th, it was at least every two, three days I'd, mm-hmm. I'd get him on camera. And then uh, I got him on camera uh, the day before I went in there because uh, I pulled the card, you know, after I killed him, whatnot. He was in there the day before. and. And then, uh, of course, it was all nighttime activity from the 16th till uh, the day I killed him. So okay. it was really neat that he finally was walking. You know, he was going to walk in there and, and mess with that, you know, 930 in the morning on Thanksgiving Day in the daylight. Like, <laughs> really appreciate that, bud. Right. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, I was going to ask you, and you, you may not know, I don't know if you maybe have a hypothesis, but what do you think, you know, because if he was nocturnal prior to that, just like on that, on that camera, Right. What do you think made him, you know, get up and kind of move through that area in daylight just that particular morning? What like did the weather change all of a sudden? Did you have like a big weather shift or anything like that that maybe changes his movement? No, it was actually pretty warm that morning. Uh, hmm. or it was cold. It was cool. Like it was thirty two degrees, but it was gonna get up to sixty five that day. Hmm. There wasn't any no fronts changing or anything like that. I believe that place like I said, it ages like fine wine, man. Like the more gun pressure, the more people around, the more they feel comfortable moving back in there. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Everybody talks about, you know, how they hunt three or four miles from the road and you got to go uphill both ways and whatnot. Like this place is, it, it is a pain in the ass to get into. Like I, that's, that's no joke. Right. 
uh, you can work to get in there and the deer can act like deer deer back there as long as you're very careful with your access where you walk what you disturb when you're in there you know you ain't gonna booger them deer up too much right uh, but i think it's just a freaking nature thing man you know it just happened to, to come through there and there's no tellings i want to say this to everybody out there i put way too much thought in on trail cameras and you shouldn't because i sat over a cell camera uh a couple weeks ago in kentucky i did not get a single picture all morning long on it but i saw over 33 deer that day <laughs> multiple bucks and they never walked in front of the so there's no telling how many times that deer has walked in and walked maybe just on this side of that camera walking that slew line and didn't freshen that scrape or whatever. So maybe he was just freshening it at night and he was cruising through there. Uh, he was all by himself. So I don't really know what his intentions were, but he was heading right to it. He was only like six or seven yards from it when I shot him. So, and he was going to walk right in front of my camera this time. So right, I'm not right. Really sure what his uh, demeanor was. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're, so, you're so right when you talk about, how much stock you put in the camera. I mean, I think they're an incredibly valuable tool, you know, as far as, you know, when you can't be in a spot, being able to monitor at least a, a, a portion of it. But I've done the same thing where I've actually been in a tree where I could see my camera set up and have watched deer and not intentionally because they don't know the camera's there because I usually hang mine high and there's no, you know, in the, most of the spots I go to, it's, they might be hanging all year without me ever going in there. I might go in there, but once or twice to hunt you know, in the general area. And so there's no like human sent in there to tell them that it's there or anything like that, but it's just the way that they're traveling. They're just kind of skirting it. Maybe they got a little bit, you know, in the one setup, maybe they got a little bit of a North wind and they can actually send, check that scrape without actually going to it. They just, they just kind of go to the South of it. You know what I mean? And things like that. And I've actually watched it happen where I'm like, Oh, there's a deer. Oh, cool. It's sent, check that scrape. Awesome. Didn't hit it it went right behind my camera. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, and so it's like, a, you would not know that, you know, that there's a, you know, a buck in there. Like there's one, the one I had the encounter with on the 18th of October this year. Like I had one picture of that deer in daylight and I want to say it was like, it might've been the very end of September, like this big community scrape that is awesome every year. And I guarantee you that deer was in there more than just the 18th when I saw him. I've never had another single picture of that deer the entire season, but he came in and bedded 40 yards from me on the 18th of October, and I watched him for two hours bedded downwind of that yep. scrape. You know what I mean? And so it's like you can't tell me that deer's not spending more time in there. If he's so comfortable, he's going to come in and bed. You can't tell me he's not been in there more than one time. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So. It's just one of those things where it's like you got to kind of take, you know, the info you get from your cameras plus what you know about the area plus what you know about, you know, the general kind of area from scouting, you know, deer sign, how they're using it and stuff like that to put your plan together. Because if you're doing it all based on cameras, you know, it's, uh, you know, like I said, they're a valuable tool, but they can they can they can tell you a false story sometimes if you if that's all you're looking at. Yes, sir. They really do. Yeah. So, man, what uh. How was the uh how was the pack out on this thing, dude? Like it seemed like that was gonna be uh it was gonna be brutal. So you quartered this thing up because you didn't have the boat, right? So you had a bit of a trip on the way out. Good video and be able to put the story together for a good YouTube video. Uh also while making it, you know, two miles out, you know, to the truck and making it to Thanksgiving dinner on time, I was like, man, I'm I'm going to have to start working pretty quick. And I put the GoPro on the tree and put it on hyperlapse and 
went to town on him. Um, I got him caked out and, and the head off and whatnot, and as much meat as I possibly could. Um, didn't want to waste, you know, didn't want to waste anything. Yep. So trying to, you know, communicate with the wife, like, hey, you think your mom can push us back like 30 minutes or so? Or, you know, we can, I, I, I'm, I'm coming as quick as I can, honey. Like, you know, I told her I was going to only hunt till 930. I just had the assumption that it was going to be like every other hunt. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I actually killed something. Um, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, man. That mystery ranch uh, bag that I use. If you're interested in packing and quartering out your deer, um, but it was way too hot to gut him and come back and get a cart and you know like that. There's a bunch of coyotes and a bobcat back there. I actually got sized up by a bobcat the last time I hunted there um, before I killed him super weird experience but uh, it wasn't too bad and it made for a adventurous little walk out and that just made part of the story even cooler i guess nice man and uh dude i uh just want to like there was a moment in that in that video it was actually the, my favorite part of the moment where you got a little bit emotional and that to me just kind of added like what i appreciate appreciate about how you how you film and like what you capture is that it's just, and I think I told you this the last time you and I talked last time we had, we podcasted together. It's just like how authentic it is. It's real. It's not overproduced. It's you doing your hunts and telling the story of each day. And, uh, I thought that that was probably the, in my opinion, kind of the most important part of the hunt was just seeing the realness of that moment sink in everything that kind of happened this year in the entire season all kind of came bubbling out. And it, it's, it's odd that those things happen. at like the, the oddest times, you know what I mean? But I just appreciated that, uh, that element of the, of the, uh, of the film. Yeah, man. I, I try to be as real as I can and, and there's no point in getting, um, <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, it, it's been really hard on me losing him and, uh, you don't plan for it. And I almost didn't put it in there because I can't stand these people on like, I don't watch TikTok. I watch Instagram reels and whatnot. But you get these girls that are staring like crown video and stuff. <laughs> like you had to literally like hit record and cry. But that my GoPro was just going and it just it hit me, man. And it's it's hard. And and uh, I've watched the video once or twice, and like I tear up every time I watch it. You know, and yeah. I just that's my that's my thing is I want to put these out. I'm a blue collar guy, just like anybody else. And I think that's why these big hunting shows are dying. Mm-hmm. And these little guys that are just like me and you are, we're not, I mean, I'm not growing too, you know, too big. And I don't expect on growing big. Cause like I said, YouTube ain't nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if it, I've stopped doing it tomorrow, I, I'd live and, and continue to hunt and be the person I am. And I think uh, everybody just likes the real feel of like, Hey, that guy's just like me. And he's going out and having a good time and, and killing a couple deer. And I can, I can do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you can't be like, you know, these people that own these huge ass farms in Iowa and kill you know, 190 inch deer every single year and hunting out of a nice warm box blind, which there's nothing wrong with that. By God, I had the land and the money to do it. <laughs> that's what I'd be doing. Right. But I don't. So, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think that's what is attractive about what you and, and guys like you, you know, do is that, you know, real authenticity of, of the hunt. And that's one of the things like this show, you know, what I've tried to do, uh, tried to do over the years 
is, you know, whenever I'm going to have somebody on or whatever, it's like I always kind of ask myself the question of, you know, if they have a show, right? If they have a podcast or if they have a YouTube channel or, or whatever, you know, what I always kind of ask myself is, you know, would this person be doing this if there wasn't a camera or a microphone in front of them? You know, and if my answer is yes, then it's like, then I want to have them on the show. If my answer is no, then I'm, then I pass, you know, and that's usually kind yeah. of how I, how I kind of gauge it. Um, because those are the people, you know, I, w- I want to talk to, you know, and I think those are the people that listen to this want to hear from, um, because like you said, it's just normal people doing normal hunting shit, having hard seasons, sometimes filling tags, sometimes, sometimes not, you know, that's part of it. You know what I mean? And, uh, I just think it gives people that are listening and watching shows like, like yours, a, a perspective of like, this is, this is real. Like you don't just walk out the door on October 6th and kill a deer, kill a, you know, giant. Like it's not normal for most people. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So man, uh, before I let you get going, brother, I know we've been going at it for about a, for about an hour here. I want to be sensitive, uh, to your time. I want to, want to be able to give your, uh, your daughter her room back, you know, so she can enjoy her (laughs) unicorns and, and rainbows. Um, but for everyone out there listening, let people know where they can find out more about you. Let people know where they can, uh, watch the videos cause they're, they're killer. Not just the ones that you put out this year, but the, the past ones, they should go watch all of them, but let folks know where they can find that stuff. Man. Um, I don't harp on my Facebook or Instagram. Uh, if you wanted to find me there, obviously Jacob Emmer, but my YouTube uh, channel is called do three outdoors. And that stands for dad of three. Uh, like I said, I've got an eight year old girl. I've got a almost five-year-old stepson, which I consider my own. Uh, and we have a two-year-old little boy as well. Uh, so dad of three, it's not going to change because uh, I have been snipped. <laughs> uh, and, and you can uh, you can find that on YouTube. And, and like I said, I've got right at 80, 81 videos right now. Uh, a lot of them are hunts. And some of them are like just gear that I use. And try not to do too many gear reviews because you just can't videos um and like i said there's a bunch of hunts on there uh a lot of people can relate to if you're just a blue collar average guy that enjoys hunting um i hunt a lot of public i hunt mainly public you can find it there and if you like what you see throw a subscribe out there and comment i, I will reply to every single comment on there um uh, but yeah that's pretty much it Awesome, brother. I appreciate you coming on, man. You have a good rest of your Sunday here, and uh, I'll keep you posted on how the late season goes, and uh, you do the same. Yes, sir, I will. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.